All right. We are back again. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so, hey, this is uh, this is Stephen, and this is the Sunrise and Shine podcast, and I've got my lovely, talented, gorgeous um, wife, Shelly, with me. We are tonight going to do, in lieu of our church, Awakened Church Bible Study Circle, which meets typically meets right now around the table in our dining room at home. Um, we have a couple of folks that have uh, contracted and, po- and tested positive for COVID-19, and so they are um, kind of in quarantine. So we just decided, hey, you know what we'll do this week? Instead of uh, bringing everybody together, we will just do a virtual virtual Bible study on Facebook Live. And at the same time, let's record a podcast for again. Like we've done this a few weeks now, so we'll do it again. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Psalm 37. We're going to get there in a minute. And what we do with this is people have given topics that they would like for us to discuss on the podcast and our questions they want us to like wrestle with and answer. And so that's what we're going to do. So kind of the question is this. How do you distinguish Christ's way from your own? Or another question that was very similar to that how do i know the difference between my dreams and god's plan so it's like how do i know what my you know how you know how do i know it's not just me and that it's you know god's plan or god's purpose for me how do i know the difference between what i want what god wants so before we like read psalm 37 and get into that any initial thoughts from you on well I mean, sometimes we want it to be God's plan, so we ignore that little voice in the back of our head that said, that's probably a bad idea. I've done that. Been there, done that, have the t-shirt. Um, that's, I mean, sometimes you have that little voice. You just don't want to hear it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so we, we, we kind of do that, I guess. Probably all of us do that, for being honest. So, um, All right. So while we wrestle with those two questions... Um, as I was kind of looking through it, I looked at, you know what, I've, I've actually preached on this this topic before. And so I went to the like my sermon notes from from back when I did, this has been a minute, and just read Psalm 37, which is the scripture that I use to kind of uh, touch on that. And so I'm not going to preach the sermon to you, but definitely <laughs> definitely took some notes of, away from, from that. But let's read the Psalm 37, verses 1 through 7, to kind of get, get us into this a little bit more. Um, today. And so if you just came for Bible study, this is for you. Um, don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like, like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the, in, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. So, this is poetry. It's not, a lot of times we want to like, look for and answer these types of questions. How do you, how do you distinguish you know, Christ's way from your, your own will? And we kind of uh, will look for these theological discourses uh, from the Scripture. And the Psalms are not a theological discourse. The Psalms are Psalms. They're poetry. Um, they're, they can, you, can, you can glean theology from them, but they were written 
um, to celebrate, to remember, to encourage, um, using poetry to do so. And so, and again, this psalm is one of those ones that would be um, it, it really in the original Hebrew language. This is, just an, this is just an aside, by the way. This isn't really part of what we're talking about, but would have been an acrostic. So the way it was worded was it, every line of the poem began with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so, again, this was all for poetic reasons. So it doesn't really come out in English that way. But you know what? That's good. Um, indeed. And so, having read that, any, any thoughts on that, the scripture? You know, I mean, it begins with, don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. So it's like, really, that's not so much addressing the questions of how do you distinguish the way you know, Jesus planned for you or God planned for you and your own. But it gets to that. It really has, that part is like, we, we tend to right now, there's this, I don't know, Twitter's really bad about this. Like there's this whole no. underlying, I'm looking to be offended so I can call somebody out and um, I, I'm just, I'm waiting. It's like there's less little, it's like somebody on Twitter waiting, waiting for you for whatever the topic is. It's political or, or racial or religious or um, I'm just going to turn my Twitter feed into an Animal Crossing yeah. thing and go with Gender, it. Gender, whatever it is. It's like there's there are people, like tons of Twitterites who are, is that the right word? I, sure, I just made not? that up, but that's a good word, right? Tweeters. Tweeters. Twitterites. So I'm a tweeter. I'm not a Twitterite. A Twitterite is somebody who's just like sitting there like a tiger ready to ambush you. Mm-hmm. Like The innocent ooh. tweeters. And they'll like go back and look you know, five or ten years in your Twitter history to find something. That's what they do. They do it they well they do it with they do it with um celebrities. Oh, yeah. Quite often. Quite often. Something somebody tweeted like seven years ago which they were like wasn't you know, in middle school. Which wasn't something. a racist comment, but it could but could be twisted that way is all of a sudden, oh we went back and found this tweet. Anyway, um, that's beside the point. What we're looking at is how do you distinguish Jesus' way from your own? How do you know the difference between my dreams and God's plan? Any any thoughts on the scripture? Because we're gonna we're gonna well, dig into. Well, I mean, it, the so. scripture wants you is telling you to immerse yourself as much as possible in your relationship with God. Yes. And the more God there is, the less of you there is. Right. And our kind of the way I have said that I see that and kind of try to articulate it's not and it's kind of what you're saying but but worded differently and it's not so much as there's more gods but there's less of me which is a great song by the way but it's <laughs> but it's the more god I allow in me or uh, I give myself to the more I become my true self like as intended like as created and intended to be so it's not like I'm less me it's like I'm I'm less selfish Absolutely, because I'm more than me God created me to be. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I'll just have to ask because sometimes I don't make sense. So we're going to start, <laughs> when we start with this, answering these questions, we start by considering our own view of God. And so the thing is, do you have a view of God that it's like, it, it, it could be either way. If it's my dream, and if it would bring me pleasure and joy, then then God must be against it. I mean, there's a lot of people that really have that kind of view of God. If it would make me happy, God must be against it. That's really how a lot of people view it. Or another mindset, which is actually probably more culturally prevalent prevalent today, is if it's my dream and it would make me happy, then God must be for it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 like one way or the other. It's like if it would make me happy, God must be against it. Or a lot of us are more well. If it would make me happy, then it got, it must be God's plan because God wants me to be happy, and you know. I don't care if you're happy. 
Well, I don't. I won't say say it that way. But but am I the only one who went ahead and did what made me happy, and ended up not being happy? I mean, am I the only one that's happened to? No. <laughs> you can't whisper. You have to speak up to the microphone. No. <laughs> All right. I mean, really, think about it. Have you ever done what it is? This will make me happy, and you did it. And then it, after after the fact, I mean, you may have had happiness in the moment, like a moment of pleasure. But after it, you're like, that was a stupid thing. That didn't really make me happy. <laughs> that didn't really make me happy. I ate all of that gallon of ice cream. Well, let's say quart. Gallons, gallons a little bit much. Yeah. I ate that entire quart of thing ice of ice cream, that entire chocolate chunk ice cream. And in the moment, it was like, that's what I wanted to do. It made me happy. But afterwards, I'm like. That was bad. I, I'm not happy, right? That there was a bad plan. So basically four four thoughts that have helped me from, from Psalm 37 to wrestle with this question, how do I distinguish the way of Jesus from my own? Is is there a distinguish? Um, how do I know the difference between my dreams and God's plan? The first one is we have to learn to depend on God in a way that's greater than our dependence upon ourselves. You have to learn to depend I would you know just say you just have to depend on God but you have to learn you have to learn to depend on God in a way that's greater than your dependence on yourself um, sometimes it can seem like those who are, who are living their dreams are those who want nothing to do with God at all and that's where that verse that to me it becomes in don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong I mean it seems like those people are living their dream and it's like you know why if they're if they're doing the you know things that I'm abstaining from, and they're living their dream. Well, how fair is that? And if we're being honest, we can complain. Like that's that's not fair, right? Depending on God means we trust God to continue to do good, and don't worry about those who appear to live like live out their dreams, even though they live in a way we disagree with. Psalm 37 it begins with that. Don't worry about the wicked. So the word that's Translated as worry or fret, it actually means to blaze, like to blaze, to burn, like to be on fire. Like, have you ever like seen somebody do something and you're like, that just burns me up? That is not a phrase I've ever used. No. Really? I get the point, though. Girl, I would have thought you've said that a lot of times about me. It just burns my biscuits. <laughs> yeah, I've said that <laughs> thousands of times. That's what that's, you know, hashtag stuff Shelly says. Yeah, <laughs> go look it up. It's business. out there. Well, that's what this word. Don't worry about what they're doing, and the word literally means to blaze. Don't let it burn you up. Instead, instead, it says, trust in the Lord and do good. So instead of burn, getting burned up about what somebody else is doing, learn to depend on God. So that's that's where reconciling your dreams with God's plans it comes in. It starts here. You stop comparing yourselves to others, and you trust in God to to do what's right. And even if it looks like, well, God's never going to get them because what's right would be God would get them. Well, that's what you think. But God's got, he's got a whole other perspective on this. We've got to remember this. If I got what I deserved, that I would, trust me, I would already be blazed. <laughs> I would already be burned up. All right? So to trust God means you have faith that God will always be there. That's what this is about. Depending on God in a way that's greater than dependence on yourself is to like come to this mindset of God is going to be there. And learning to trust that God is there is uh we have to like lean on when your spirit is weak when your body's weak um god will be solid ground to stand on when like the earth beneath you gives away this is what it means to learn to depend on god is to realize i believe god's going to be there even when i feel like the entire world is crumbling around me i can trust that god's going to be there 
And this may be something that you need to learn for yourself. I've certainly, I've had to learn this. I didn't, I don't just like, didn't just all of a sudden wake up and say, okay, I'm going to depend on God today. I had to learn to depend on God. Um, you had to learn that, and here's some, some things, and this is straight out of that sermon I was talking about. I've learned you can trust God, that he, that God is present, first of all. That God is indeed good. We say that, you know, God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. But you have to believe that. You have to learn that that's the truth. God is indeed a good God. And that God does truly love you. Depe- you know, learning to depend on God in a way that's greater than your dependence on yourself is coming to this realization that God is present. God is good. And, he, and God does truly love you. Anything to add on that? No, I think a lot of, and not necessarily in this situation that we're specifically talking about with, is it my idea or God's idea, but a lot of us struggle with, God couldn't possibly really truly love me. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a real struggle a lot of people have. And so that's why I said it's, it's a learning and a part of this kind of comes along with that. Um, so the next thing is, is you have to let yourself delight in your relationship with God first and see where that takes you. And see, it's about this relationship with God. And, you have, and so learning to, not just learning to depend on God, but then growing to a place where you let yourself <laughs> delight in your relationship with God more than anything else. Because it says here, Psalm 37, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. So the word delight this word literally means be moldable, which we think about delight. We don't think about being moldable, right? Like the word moldable doesn't come into, you know, like, like you're a Play-Doh. But, but that's what that word, when you go back to the ancient language it was written in, Hebrew, it literally means to be moldable. Like, like what is shaping you? Who is shaping you? And, and so, so let God shape you. Let, God, let your delight, let your shaping come from God. So being a follower of Jesus means you delight in Jesus and you delight you 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 allow him to mold you with his presence and with his teaching and with the beauty of creation and with the promise that Jesus is making all things new. I mean, what could be more delightful than that, right? That that whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're going through, while you're trying to figure out um, which way to go, that that Jesus is, is there. He, he's making all things new, and that includes you. That includes your situation. So I believe that when we delight in God, he, he gives us the desires of our hearts. It says right here, our moldable hearts, okay, shaped, shaped by him, moment by moment, shaped by God. God's desires becoming our desires. That's why, you know, it's, it can say that, you know. It says, if you will... Take delight in the Lord. He will give you your heart's desires because you are letting your heart be molded to his. You're letting your, you know, the word conformity is one. I've always I've always been a nonconformist just, just by how I'm wired. But to learn to be, okay, I have to conform my will to Christ's will. And when you do that, when you've been molded, moldable that way, that's what it means to delight in the Lord. And so we begin to see that that life, our life, in the light of Jesus. And we start to see things as God sees them. And his dreams, his dreams become our dreams. Our, you know, God gives you the desires of your heart when they line up with his desires for your life. And so Philippians 2.13 says that God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. So when you're so if you're thinking, you know, 
you know, it's easy to say to let yourself delight and be moldable in the relationship with God and see where that takes me. But it says here that God's in, the, he's, when you come to Christ, he's in you. He's doing the work. He's, he's, he's giving you the desire to obey him. You just have to give into it. I mean, you have to receive it um, and let that you know, move you to do what pleases him. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Got any additional thoughts? Nope. All right. Well, we're just moving right along here. So um, while we're wrestling with this question, how do I know if this is my will or if it's God's will? Sometimes we put way too much pressure on us with that question. Uh, because if we're walking, I think the, the question always comes back to, <laughs> am I in a right relationship with Christ? Well, if the answer is yes, well, then you should be able to like, kind of start defaulting into understanding, okay, his will is my will. Um, the third thing is to honestly and consistently know the difference between your will and God's will requires a different level of commitment that we're typically not okay with in our culture. And that's really where the struggle comes in for most of us. A, a level of commitment to really know the difference between your will and God's will, that's typically not something we're okay with. We don't like in our culture for anybody uh, to make us do anything. I mean, we don't we don't like fully what commitment really is. I mean, really, in our, in relationships, we see we want it. to be able to turn around and walk away when we're over it. When yes, we're done. yes. When it doesn't go my way, when I'm no longer happy, there's the happiness again. When I'm no longer just happy, and however I define that, I just want to walk away and do something else. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Okay. So we're talking about in order to answer this question. How do I know God's will for my life? And how do I distinguish between my desires and God's plan is it requires a level of commitment we're typically not okay with. We have to we have to wrap our brains around that. Like if I'm going to really, really walk in this reality of Psalm 37 that poetically says, commit everything you do to the Lord. That's what it says here. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. Okay, so this is what it's saying here. This word "commit" and and it's a translation from from this fascinating Hebrew word. And the word is and this is when I wrote down "galal" and "galal" because and the reason why it's so fascinating to me is because it literally means to be rolled in blood. The commitment means to be rolled in blood. That's pretty cool, right? Sure. <laughs> it's covenant language. If we understand ancient covenants, the ancient Hebrew covenants specifically. That refers to this commitment that means I'm, I'm sold out, I'm all in, and I'm completely covered by. There would be, you know, the blood of an animal shed, and a part of that, the rolling in blood was to you know, take whatever, and it you know, might even be you, and you would get covered in that blood as a sign of I'm all in. I'm completely covered by this. And so it, it means that your heart, that your desires, uh, your, you know, all of it is rolled in the blood of sold out and all in, committed, fully covered commitment to God. And so as followers of Jesus, we can understand this to mean that that we must be covered by, in a, it's a, in a spiritual sense, okay? This isn't what some wacky cult stuff. But <laughs> in a spiritual sense, rolled in the blood of Jesus. And maybe that's a, a new thought for you. But literally what it means to commit your way to the Lord means to be rolled in the blood of the covenant. Now, there's this... This uh, ancient, uh, he's one of the saints, but people that, that have saints, uh, named Augustine, an early church father. And Augustine is credited for saying this phrase, love God and do as you please. Love God and do as you please. What do you, what do you make of that? 
Well, I mean, it's very easy to take in the wrong way. A okay. lot of people are going to take that and use it to, you know, suit themselves. Oh, yeah. Of course I love God. Now let me go steal this cheeseburger. Sure. People steal cheeseburgers all the Cheese- time, right? Don't make me sing the cheeseburger song. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No. We're live, we're live on Facebook no. and recording a podcast. Go ahead and sing the cheeseburger song. <laughs> no. Come on. I love the cheeseburger song. That really burns my biscuits. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what it, Augustine didn't mean, and uh, and this is just from reading this and reading what other people said about because I don't I didn't never meet Augustine. No, I mean, I'm not that old. I mean I'm old, but come on, you know maybe my dad knows Augustine. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I don't. It doesn't seem that he meant like if I say I love God, then I can do whatever I want, and God's okay with it. That it, it, it goes against everything else we know of what Augustine wrote. Uh, what I, what it means is when I genuinely love God, I want to do, I want to do what honors him. I begin to desire to do what honors God. I want my life to be more like Jesus. So really that's what it's, what we're talking about here to have this kind of commitment that not only do I say with my mouth, well, you know, my intention is I want to be more like Christ. But it comes out in my actions. It comes out in behavior. This is where the commitment thing comes in. Even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when it's like, you know what? I really don't want to do that. Or I really do want to do that. And the commitment comes in right there. Like, that's a level of commitment we are typically not okay with. But Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, obey my commandments. He's like, make a commitment. And when I love God, his desires become my desires, his, and his plans become my plans. And so what pleases me and what pleases God become one and the same. Again, back to that moldable thing. It becomes one and the same so that you can, you can love God and do as you please because what you do pleases God. Because you are doing what you, because you want to please God with what you do. And so this takes that commitment to seek and surrender to the will of God. And again, I get that that's hard because it, we're typically not okay with that level of commitment in our culture. Anything else on that one? I think, well, I mean, a good, like, litmus test sort of thing is if this thing that you want to do and you're not sure is your plan or God's plan is start writing it out, thinking about it, putting it down, and see how many eyes are in that. Oh, yeah. Because if there are a lot of eyes, it's yours. <laughs> right, for sure. Yeah, and, and it has a lot to do with I feel and I think too. Not like I I prayed or I read or I, you know, what I you know, fasted, but more I think and I feel. That's where we really and come I plan to. and I saw and I decided and I I I I. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Goes back to it. All goes back to your view of God. Do you view God as the God of if it's my, if it would make me happy, then God must be against it, or if it would make me if it would make me happy, then God must be for it, or do we want to go to this a, a real relationship with God with a real level of commitment that says, you know what, it's not about my happiness, it's about God's purpose, God's plan. It's about you know you can throw, you can use that word holiness. It's about holiness. That's what God's plan for us is and our problem is we keep defining holiness wrong um but that's that's a different message sure. for a different time <laughs> um and here's the last thing on this is we're as we're kind of trying to wrap up and wrap our brains around how do i distinguish god's will 
in my will. Like I don't I want to do God's will, but how do I know? How do I know? And sometimes sometimes like God's plan and mine seem like they're worlds apart, right? I mean, yeah, I'm sure you've been there. I mean, I think I've been there. Like well, yeah. God's plan, God's will and mine seem like they're worlds apart. Then what do I do? Even though I'm like, okay, I'm I'm ready. I'm committed. I'm 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 in. I, I want to. I'm 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 trusting in the Lord with all my heart. I am, you know, I am doing what it says here. I'm trying to trust and do good. I'm taking delight in the Lord. I'm committing everything I do to to the Lord. I, I'm I'm moldable here. But sometimes it still feels like God's plan and mine are worlds apart. So what do I do? There are seasons when you need to wait. You need to wait on God's timing and wait on your own understanding. That's another one. It's so difficult for us because that's a level of patience that we are not okay with typically in our culture. See, this is why this is hard, because we are we live in a culture that is not okay with the level of commitment and the level of waiting that sometimes this takes. Because it says, verse 7 here, we're in Psalm 37, verse 7, Be still in the presence, in God's presence, and wait patiently for Him to act. How good are you at being still and waiting patiently for anything? Really, think we about it. We barely wait for the microwave to warm up our tea. I, you microwave your tea, you just let everybody know. She microwaves her tea, people. I, I don't. It was I have, cold. I, I know, but I, I, I don't microwave my tea. That's because I make like five cups at a time, and then I That's drink it through the day. I make a cup of tea and I drink it. <laughs> but we're and not good. Back to the point. We're not good at being patient or, wait, or waiting patiently or being still, aren't we? It says so. Be still. This is a phrase. Be still means to stop. To delay, to 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 ultimately means to rest, and is this is this the hardest part for us? You you bet you're right. It is. It's the hardest part right here. Seems like it is, because we're just we're just not wired to do this. We're not wired ultimately to rest. We're wired to produce, to go, to hustle, and 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 there you need to produce and be productive, and, and hustle is a good thing. But at the same time, if we don't wait and we don't rest. We burn out, and that happens to us spiritually as well. So I, sometimes it seems like God's will and mine are worlds apart, mainly because I haven't rested. That's why it seems that way. God knows that we could we could potentially wear ourselves out trying to rush the, these dreams into reality. So he gives us this command. It's not a suggestion. It's, a, it's a, over and over in Scripture. We see it. Be still. Be still. Be still. It's not just right here in Psalm 37. You can find it many places throughout the scripture where God says, you know what? Be still. It means wait, stop, rest. It means that our brains are spinning, our hearts are pounding, we're breathless and reaching exhaustion. And we say to ourselves, you know what? This is where God's saying to me to hush. (laughs) God's telling me to hush. Whether it may be in your day at work, it may be tra- maybe with your kids or with your spouse, it may be in traffic, probably in traffic. It, you know, it could you know where, anywhere. It could be anywhere. And God's saying, you know what? Be still. And you have to tell yourself. You can't just like say, you know, I read that scripture once in a while and remind yourself. You have to tell yourself that this is one of those times. I'm in this this season of, I need to hush and just be still for now. The phrase, wait patiently, that's the other one, right? Be still and wait patiently. There's two phrases here. It means 
literally means to collect yourself and bind yourself to God and expect God to act. So it's three parts. Like it's one phrase, wait patiently. And we think, like, well, that just means to sit there and do nothing. No, it means to collect yourself and bind yourself to God and expect God to act. That's what that means, literally, to wait patiently. So when I wait, I wait with purpose. I'm not just, <clears throat> just sitting still. I'm waiting with purpose. I'm waiting for, and I'm trusting God's plans for this, even if I don't fully get it yet. Um, and it's when I wait patiently on the Lord that it becomes clearer and clearer what he does, his desires are, what his plans are. As I wait patiently, this is where I can do things like what you were saying. Write some stuff down. Take you know, Keep a journal. You know, I, I have a journal, and it's, it's sporadic. There are times, seasons of waiting, usually. That's where I, I do the most journaling. And then seasons of, of uh, you know, activity, there's not a lot of journaling, mainly because I've got the plan, and I'm executing the plan. But other times, the seasons of waiting, you have to work. You may have to just say, "What are God, what's your plan for me? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait here. I'm going to rest in you. I'm going to bind myself to you. I'm going to expect you're going to act. And when my plans and God seems world apart, I have to be still and know God. When my plans and God's plans seem like they're worlds apart, I have to be still and know God. So if my dreams are outside of his will for my life, He's going to make that clear to me if I wait on, God, on, on, on God's timing. And while I trust Jesus more than I trust my circumstances, when I take that time and I, I wait, like it says here, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. I don't have to worry about evil people who prosper or fret about wicked schemes. Why? Because my focus isn't on them anymore. My focus is on expecting God to act expecting God to show up and knowing that I can trust him more than the circumstances. What else? That's all I got, man. That's all you got? I did more talking than you this time. The preacher in me coming out. I'm pretty sure you always do more talking than me. <laughs> Welcome to our life. <laughs> exactly. This is not news. <laughs> all right. Hey, thanks for joining us. I hope you found this helpful. Um, it's it's helpful for me to process this stuff. So keep sending us your questions um, and topics to discuss. We have a list; it's ongoing, and right now we're about halfway through it. But uh, that was a good one. That that set me off on a good season of study that I needed, um, and some reminders for myself and for us, um, not just for us, but hopefully for you know our little church uh, family. As we're growing, man, we are seeking, you know, we want to be about God's will. And sometimes we're like, here's what we want. <laughs> we want this and this and this and then we want all of it. The bells and the whistles and the youth ministry and the, you know, full-time positions and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, wait. Wait patient. Be still. Wait patiently. And so this is a good reminder for us for this as well. So, all right. All right. We will see you next time.